Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. Welcome in, Thursday edition, Danny Mac Show, minus BK. He'll be back with us at some point next week. We're saying it's going to be Wednesday, Tanner, is that correct? Wednesday is the return of BK? I believe Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. So we have at 10.15, looking forward to this, uh, does a great job. It is uh, Scott Burnside. He is a hockey writer for the Daily Faceoff and has done national work all over the place. Co-host of the Suitcase and the Scribe podcast with Mike McKenna. We'll visit with him. And then senior recruiting editor for On3.com, Jeremy Crabtree, really dives into the recruiting aspects of the, the high schoolers and who made out uh, well yesterday. A lot of SEC teams did, including Mizzou. Want to dive into that. Some of the kids coming from St. Louis in the state of Missouri. It was signing day yesterday. But we're going to start with this. Um, Were you shocked? Because, by the way, to pull back the curtain, I get a email from Tanner usually at about 1.30 in the morning. Hey, Danny Mac, here is what I'm thinking for the show tomorrow. Because Tanner is all over the place. I mean, he's doing high school games, college games. He's hosting Tanner and company. He helps produce and host this show. Busy schedule. You Very busy. So I get that at like 1.30. Um, you sent me an early rundown yesterday. I think it was like 11. And at that point, Urban Meyer had not been fired. No, he had not been. Have you seen the the quotes from the kicker? I haven't seen the quotes. I did see the headline, though, about him saying that he kicked him during the preseason. So he drives the fact that, you know, he doesn't fly back with the team with the off week coming up and is in Columbus, Ohio. Inexcusable. Got to fly back with the team. <clears throat> but now, after 13 games, he is fired. So he is the first NFL coach since Bobby Petrino not to finish his first season. Petrino, you may remember, went 3-10 and with the Falcons and then bolted for Arkansas. And now at Missouri State, and he can flat-out coach. Bobby Petrino is really good. So um, he's now at Missouri State and has turned that thing uh, around. So then this comes out. The kicker, Lambeau, said, quote, I'm in a lunge position, left leg forward, right leg back. Urban Meyer, while I'm in that stretch position, comes up to me and says, hey, dip bleep, make your effing kicks and kicks me in the leg. Lambeau spoke for the first time publicly about what he had said happened to him in an interview with the Tampa Bay Times. Quote, it certainly wasn't as hard as it could have as he could have done it, but it certainly wasn't a love tap. Truthfully, I'd register it as a five out of ten, which in the workplace, I don't care if it's football or not. The boss can't strike an employee employee. And for a second, I couldn't believe it actually happened. Pardon my vulgarity. I said, don't you effing kick me again. And his response was, I'm the head coach. I'll kick you whenever the F I want. So there you go. That thing hits, I guess, yesterday evening, probably. Yeah, somewhere in that range. And that, was, that broke after I was off the air, too. Shad Khan says, okay, that's it. 
that's enough. They come into a meeting and he's fired. He was signed for what, $50, $60 million? So over he's gonna, five years. Over five years, which is guaranteed unless they can get out of it some way, somehow. So he's done. Um, and now it's guys like Nick Saban, who had a modicum of success in the NFL but didn't do it there. It's certainly Bobby Petrino. It's Urban Meyer. Um, and there's some others. I, You know, it's just a different animal. But, um, I mean, how bad is that, though, if he was doing that kind of stuff? And then there's been reports again now coming out this morning about how he treated his coaching staff, which, by the way, he hired. And he said at one point, he said, my coaching staff at Boiling, uh, Boiling Green Bowling Green was better than the ones I have here. I, I was saying, we, we talked about it in our first segment this morning, Tanner. I, I'm not sure he gets another NFL job, but if you're desperate enough with the money that's being thrown out at college, and he was successful at Bowling Green, he was successful, obviously, at Florida, two national championships, one at Ohio State. Um, if you're a, a, a university out there, you're probably desperate enough to hire the guy. It may take a year or two. You're going to have to get a little separation. But probably that would happen. I bet that would happen, that somebody would do that. I'm with you. I think somebody, and I think it, it would either be a smaller FBS school or it might be a small Power 5. Because remember, Kansas hired uh, Les Miles a, a couple years after he was let go in uh, at LSU. Right. And there was clearly baggage with him, too, because they ultimately ended up firing him because of all the reports that came out. Uh, but this now, but this is different, though. In a way, I mean, you got Aaron Hernandez. You've got what he did this year at Jacksonville. You've had other players that had awful pass, criminal pass that uh, that they kind of just glossed over and still got in uniform for his teams. I don't know, man. I, it'd be tough to sell it to some portions of your fan base, but then you say, well, by the way, do you want to win? Here's his record. Yeah, I, I don't think it's it's definitely not an easy sell, but I do think someone would take the chance to do it. I I do too. I, I think it I takes like a year or two for the yeah. dust to settle, and then I, I don't know who, but desperation I, somebody sets in. will. I would say so too. Uh, all right, we're going to visit with Scott Burnside. So he's coming up. That was the big story on our show this morning. A lot of things that I want to get into. We talked about it with Jr. Uh, the Russian line, Buchnevich, Barbashev, maybe one of the most underrated players right now in the National Hockey League. Vladimir Tarasenko. These three guys right now, if you haven't looked, they're all three in the top five in points. Tarasenko, nine goals, 17 assists, 26. Puchnevich, 11 goals, 14 assists, 25 points. Barbashev, 10 goals, 11 assists, 21. Craig Berube on his Russian line. Like Puchnevich, he's such a good playmaker, and I think he's a great two-way player. Um, he really, you know, feet makes the makes the plays out there to Barbashev and Tarasenko. And Barbershev's making some good plays too, but you got a hard-nosed player in Barbershev out there that, you know, he'll forecheck hard and physical, and I think he drags Vladdy in there. Vladdy was physical last night, and then, you know, Vladdy shoots. You know, he shoots pucks, and he, I thought Vladdy had a real good game last night, a bunch of opportunities to score. You know, I think they all have good chemistry together, obviously, to hang out together. Uh, but on the ice, I think that they're... They're playing a real good team game amongst themselves, which is important. Craig Berube, he was on the uh, fast lane yesterday, always does a weekly appearance here on 101 ESPN. And right now he knows that there's a lot of guys out, but yet these young guys have stepped up. And so the game has been rather simple. They're just trying to keep it as simple as they can. Yeah, like, uh, you know, a lot of times you just, when you simplify it, dumb it down and play a hard, straightforward game, you have success. Really, it's a... 
It's not a complicated game, hockey. It's a simple game, and when you play a simple game of hockey, you give yourself a chance to win, in my opinion. You know, limit things, limit turnovers, play direct, make it hard on the other team, and that's what we're doing right now. And well, one of the things I've noticed is the uh, the Blues penalty kill. A couple weeks ago, it was around 20th in the NHL. That has gotten a lot better. Now it's 10th at 83%. Over the last 10 games, uh, they've killed 13 straight penalty kills. So that's something to keep in mind. If you're going to make an adjustment with this team, I've been saying it from day one. I know you feel this way too, Tanner. And they have good defensemen. Don't get me wrong. Falk was just sensational the other night. Love Krug on the power play. Um, it's been an up and down year at times for Pareko, but probably trying to find a Last front couple line. games been his yeah, best games better. of the year. Yep, I would agree. But maybe it's also something to do with the pairings. But maybe a defenseman of some sort is what the Blues will look like uh, trying to get uh, going towards a trade deadline. Greg Wyshynski was talking about that uh, just this past week. By process of elimination, you'd have to say the defense overall for the team has been kind of a troubling spot and um we'll see we'll see where that trends in, in the second half of the season again it's hard like you said at the top it's hard to really evaluate um when you're dealing with so many people that are in and out of the lineup uh seemingly for like the last month that it's really hard to get a handle on what this team's going to ultimately look like so a few things i want to get into that would be one of them with uh scott burnside coming up but also there was a nhl meeting the last week or so kind of an emergency meeting talking about what to do with covid with uh, some of the teams dealing with that get into tarasenko the olympics what may happen all that is coming up uh with scott burnside back to more of the danny mac show with bk on 101 espn Uh, writers in hockey many, many years is Scott Burnside, hockey writer for the Daily Faceoff, co-host of the Suitcased and Scribe podcast with Mike McKenna, Twitter at Overtime Scott B, and joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Hey, Scott, thanks for hopping on here in St. Louis. Really appreciate your time and happy holidays to you. Yeah, you too, and uh, always happy to to jump on and talk some hockey, talk some blues, uh, Lots of reason for optimism uh, around that Blues team, um, even as we enter one of the most unsettled times uh, of this current season. It's amazing with all the injuries, the COVID uh, outbreak around the NHL, certainly the Blues have had their fair share of that, that the Blues find themselves where they're at in the standings. Are, are you shocked to see what the Blues have been able to do so far? Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I will admit a, a certain skepticism about the Blues, you know, right from the get-go at, at, um, in training camp. Um, I thought the last couple of seasons, this was a team that had really taken a couple of steps back from their uh, seminal run to the to the first-ever Cup win in, in 19. And, you know, looked like a team that maybe, I don't know whether they had been, you know, sort of, uh, you know, self-satisfied or maybe it's just the natural ebb and flow for most teams. Uh, you know, we've seen it with Washington who won, of course, the year before and have really struggled to get back to an elite level come playoff time. Um, and I thought the Blues were in that same sort of category. And I really thought, and I talked to some people around the league, I, I think there was there were some question marks about, you know, was the clock ticking for Craig Berube at the start of this season? And, uh, of course, uh, Craig Berube has proven anyone who is skeptical wrong because I think what you've seen um, 
as this team has dealt with injuries, of course, the COVID um, setbacks with players not being available due to the COVID protocols, um, all the all the adversity this team has faced during this first third of the season, um, and they've emerged in in really glowing fashion. And I think it's a credit to Doug Armstrong and the and and the farm system that has been built by the Blues and their scouting staff and their development staff. Um, but so much credit has to to go to Craig Berube, I think. And you know, if you had to make a short list at Christmas time of your Jack Adams um, favorites or candidates, I I would think you would have to give Craig Berube strong consideration to be in that, you know, final top three or four or five coaches of uh, of this season thus far. And Scott, you you led me right into my next question, which was going to be about Craig Berube because you're a guy that studies this league. You've been doing it a long time. His contract is up after the end of this season. What what is the the league wide thought of Craig Berube as a head coach and just the job that he's done overall here in St. Louis? Well, I, you know, I mean, listen, you win a Stanley Cup and you're, you're already in rarefied air. So no one will no one will ever take away from Craig Krube the job he did and coming on and relief of Mike Yo, who, of course, is now back in the top coaching seat in Philadelphia after some house cleaning uh, by the Flyers in the last couple of weeks. Um, but the work that Craig Berube did in that shortened um, in his shortened season as head coach in, in taking a team from last place, not just to the playoffs, but obviously to a Stanley Cup win that. That's one of the great coaching jobs, in, in certainly in recent history. Um, and, and I think it was fair then to question, you know, the follow-up. And, and of course, so many dynamics at play, um, the bubble and the injuries and the shortened season and the COVID. Listen, that it's, it, you know, you don't get a normal training camp. And anyway, you can make excuses. But the bottom line was, this is a Blues team that was, that really looked like they had, had fallen off the map. And uh, so I think what you've seen through the first third of this season, this team resembles a lot more, I think, the team that won the Stanley Cup in 2019. They're so hard to play against. They can win with uh, special teams. They can win with skill. But they can also grind and, and, and play that heavy hockey that we saw uh, you know, so effectively. And uh, you know, I think of that Western Conference final against San Jose. I think of the final against Boston. Um, I think we're, we're back to seeing that, and that's a credit to Craig Berube. And I don't know whether... You know, whether he's changed his approach or how, you know, whether there's been some tinkering from the coaching side of things. He's a pretty straight ahead guy. Um, But uh, whatever it is, uh, if this team can continue to play at this level and once we get to playoffs in uh, mid-April, whenever we get around to it, uh, if if, if this team is healthy, I think they're going to be a very difficult out given their level of play through the first third of this season. No question. Scott Burnside is our guest. Scott, what are you hearing about Vladimir Tarasenko and just what's the the, the scuttlebutt about Vladdy and, and just how he's looked this year? There was a lot of talk that, you know, could he be on the move, had to show that he was healthy, all those things. What, what's the general prevailing thought about Vladimir Tarasenko? Yes, I think the best way to quiet those trade rumors is to, uh, you know, to have 26 points and to, uh, you know, to, to, to be where, you know, where you're at in the standings as far as the, the, the Blues are, are, are concerned. And, you know, I, you know, my sense of it is that, that the whole discussion of uh, potentially moving uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, um, if, if that was going to happen, my sense is, you know, it was going to happen um, you know, months ago, just certainly during the off season, 
Um, you know, I mean, the, I think there were people who wondered if he might be exposed and, you know, is it possible he could have ended up in, uh, in Seattle with the Kraken at the expansion draft? But, I, I, you know, Doug Armstrong is not a um, – he, he is not a rash human being. And I don't think you do the things that Doug Armstrong has done in his career um, with being um, impetuous. And so while it may have been annoying and definitely there were some – you know, this, there were some issues with Tarasenko and whether there was a disconnect with the coaching staff or with the team in general and how they treated his injured shoulder, all those kinds of things. And, and whether they've been fully resolved or not is, is, is in some ways moot because he owns a no-trade clause. He's got another year left on his deal, $7.5 million against the cap. He's a critical part of this team if they're going to be a contender as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, unless you're looking at a dollar in, dollar out, uh, trading for another elite player to come in and fill in in that top six role and to lead the power play. I just don't see that there's any, you know, unless this team suddenly falls out of the playoff mix entirely. I just don't see that that kind of conversation is going to happen. Now, you know, does it resurface again in the offseason? Again, Vladimir Tarasenko controls his own fate vis-a-vis if he wants to go somewhere else, if there's a trade, um, he will ultimately control that part of it. So, I think it, in some ways it's a moot point now. Um, the way this team is playing and certainly his role on the team um, is back to what you would expect. So uh, my guess is that we will hear very little about a potential move with Tarasenko, uh, you know, barring some sort of you know dramatic uh, fall off and level of play from this Blues club. I'm curious, uh, are there any defensemen out there that you see that could be on the move and some of the names that maybe that could be on the, the trade block that uh, could be of interest to Blues fans? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's, to, to me, the one that I, it has just come up in the last week or so, and um, I don't know the veracity of it, but certainly we know that the Arizona Coyotes are a team that um, really is in the process of stripping things down to, you know, to bare bones. They're the worst team in the NHL, or certainly, you know, it's, it's a battle. Some nights Montreal has, owns that title in my mind. But, uh, uh, you know, this is a team that really is, t- is stripping things down to bare bones in Arizona. Um, uh, the, Naka, the name with uh, Jacob Chitron coming up um, under contract at $4.6 million through 24, 25, uh, 23 years old. I, I honestly do not understand the logic if you're the Arizona Coyotes, of moving a cornerstone defenseman who's 23 years old. Um, I don't understand how that fits any kind of plan moving forward. To me, it is, if I'm a fan in Arizona and you're trading Jacob Chitron, I'm, count me out. I, I'm, out for, I'm out for good. Um, so we'll see whether those rumors, uh, you know, whether there's any veracity to it. But to me, he, he, the list of teams, I know he's a left-handed shot defenseman, you know, sometimes they're a little bit less attractive than the right-hand shot defenseman, but uh, he is a, he's a terrific young talent. The sky's the limit for him. There will be teams lining up around the corner if indeed Arizona decides to, you know, try and bring in a, a you know, a, 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 a ran- pirate's ransom of assets for Jacob Chitron. Um, so that he's the one guy I'm quite curious about, you know, how does that unfold, whether there's any truth to that and does it, you know, does it gain any traction as we move along? We've got lots of time before the trade deadline, though, and, and so I, I, I don't. Uh, I think there will be a lot of shifting and maneuvering. The problem for any team, you know, trying to acquire players, uh, is with the flat cap situation, and certainly with the COVID and 
it, it's going to be it will be very difficult for lots of teams as we get closer to the trade deadline to actually make things happen. So I, I'm fascinated to see just how that whole trade landscape plays out over the next uh, two or three months. Scott Burnside is our guest. Couple more, and I'll let you go. What are you hearing about NHL players and playing in the Olympics? Do you think this is going to happen? Man, I'm I'm lucky. I've, I've covered three Olympics. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of NHL players being at the Olympics. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was disappointing to say the least that the NHL bowed out of 2018 uh, in South Korea. Um, and I was so looking forward to this tournament, even though I, I would have been watching like lots of fans from home. But you know, the idea of the return of the NHL players to Beijing. Uh, in early 2022, playing on an NHL-sized rink, which to me makes all the difference in the world in terms of the level of competition in a best-on-best tournament. Um, but boy, I, I have to tell you, the whole the COVID situation in North America, as we've seen more and more teams having to postpone games, that is going to push the NHL into a corner because it's critical to them that they get all 82 games in. Uh, and then I, I understand the, the reticence of, of players now is, as we examine what might happen when a player goes to Beijing for the tournament, if they happen to test positive there, you know, the unknown factor of, is it possible that you could be quarantined in China for up to five weeks? Uh, you know, Alex Petrangelo, I know has, has voiced some um, reservations about, I believe he's the father of four, you know, being apart from your family for that long. Eric Carlson spoke of this just the other day, even uh, Connor McDavid, who the least controversial player maybe ever, who said the idea of quarantining there for three to five weeks is unsettling. Um, I think we need a lot more clarity from the IIHF, from the IOC, and certainly from the government in, in China uh, about what kind of latitude NHL players might have if they test positive to get them safely out of the country in a timely fashion so they're not stuck there. If they don't, if we don't get to that point, I think the chances of, of the Olympics taking place in, in the way that we'd hope with NHL players and full participation, uh, I think those chances go down, you know, seemingly by the hour. Hey, Scott, we heard that the NHL was on a call this week to address the COVID situation uh, with the league and what's happening really across the board in pro sports, but specifically with the NHL. What do you think is going to happen? What are we going to do here moving forward in protocols and various things that the uh, league is going to have to do to try to get through this season? Yeah, I think we're going to see rolling back to some of what we saw during um, the last two seasons, certainly last season when teams and players and staff were severely restricted in where they could go, what they could do, and mask mandates for the players. And we know outside of Tyler Bertuzzi, as far as we know, the only NHL player not vaccinated. Um, I think it's critical. I think Pittsburgh announced that they had uh, they had uh, received the booster um, shots recently. I'm a bit surprised we haven't seen that mandated, frankly. Um, but it is, I guess, that, you know, to me, the, the one good thing about this is that the vaccines seem to be working in the sense that we don't have, the players are not hospitalized. Um, we're seeing a lot of players who test positive or asymptomatic, which I know has led some questions about, well, should we, we you know, should we be testing as frequently as we do at the NHL level? Um, but the, the, the key is that these players, even if they are symptomatic, the symptoms seem to be relatively minor compared to, of course, you know, what we saw across North America and the world before the vaccines were readily available. So, um, but we're definitely going to go through a period where the NHL will try and reduce movement and exposure as much as possible. 
in an effort to get these games on board and have these teams with as few postponements as possible because, as I say, um, you know, the financial bottom line, which drives all of this, is critical that the NHL um, and all its 32 teams play out a full 82-game schedule this season. Hey, Scott, great information. Thank you so much. Appreciate it and look forward to seeing you in St. Louis, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, I look forward to it, too. That's Scott Burnside, hockey writer for the Daily Faceoff, and again, co-host of the Suitcase and the Scribe podcast with Mike McKenna. Great information from Scott Burnside. By the way, Chris Kerber and uh, 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 JR are coming up. They're going to have three hours and a lot of hockey talk coming up uh, at 11 o'clock. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. this jeremy crabtree is our guest and he is the senior recruiting editor for on3.com but uh, also over the middle podcast i love that you can find out more at jeremy crabtree uh, on twitter hey jeremy thanks for hopping on i know it's a busy uh, 24 48 hours for you with signing day and uh, thanks for doing this happy holidays to you no, I appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words. And actually, uh, we're still rolling here. Uh, it's uh, two more days of the early signing period here before we get a little bit of a break. So what is yesterday like for a guy that's doing this for a living? <laughs> what What is it like? Well, it was seemingly going to script until I'm sure we're going to talk about this. Trevor Hunt, Travis Hunter flipped uh, flipped uh, the entire recruiting world upside down. But, you know, it, it starts at uh, about 6 a.m. and it ended about 11.45 last night. And it, uh, uh, we're, we're up and rolling again, pumping out content and doing a little bit of analysis uh, type stories today here on On3. Yeah, I'm going to get into Travis Hunter in just a bit and how it affects the recruiting, the coach, the teams. But I want to ask you specifically about Eli Drinkwitz and, yeah, uh, yeah. and Mizzou. Had a pretty good class, didn't he? Oh, tremendous! We have a number thirteen uh, in, in the co- in the entire country, not just uh, uh, in the in SEC. A lot of people get uh, excited when you look at how they did in the SEC. They're fifth in the SEC. A, a tremendous step forward, and obviously. You and I have been doing this long enough to know that you have to protect St. Louis if you want to win at Missouri. You have to keep those kids at home. And obviously getting Luther Burden, uh, the five-star receiver, to jump on board was huge. Uh, They did so well in Kansas City also. But they also went to other parts of the country. Tavoris Jones uh, is one of the more underappreciated running backs in the entire country. And he's out of the El Paso area for the Tigers to go to El Paso and get a, a, a great four-star running back and then getting the Sam Horn, uh, who was Travis Hunter's quarterback at, uh, down at Collins Hill in Georgia. I really like the momentum that, uh, uh, that they picked up with this class. And uh, we were asked to make some bold predictions yesterday as to what type of impact uh, some of the national classes would have. I went locally. I think Luther Burden is an immediate impact player for the Tigers, and it would not be surprised me if he is a candidate for what SEC Newcomer of the Year or SEC Freshman of the Year. He is going to play from day one on in Columbia and be an immediate impact type player. What do you hear when you talk to coaches, you talk to the kids, talk to the people in your business about Eli and what makes him such a great <laughs> recruiter? How's he doing it? Uh, his candidness, I guess, his yeah. honesty, 
uh, not afraid to say what's on his mind and go to bat for his kids. Uh, that, that's something that uh, you want to be a kids want to play for a player's coach, uh, somebody that's going to have their back and uh, have a little sense of quirkiness with them too, something that they can laugh and have fun with, but then also get serious when the time comes. And I think Eli is, is, is that perfect combination of both. Because uh, we we we've seen him in his press conferences, but on the 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 Darth Vader hat, uh, <laughs> what you robe or whatever, and 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 and, and take pop shots at uh, other people and other programs and media days. Uh, kids love that, but they also love that uh, uh, that he's able to get serious and he knows his X's and O's. And I, it's just kind of one of those perfect combinations. So this was a, a, a great foundation class and with so much talent in this uh, in, in the state of Missouri and in Illinois and that uh, St. Louis area, and Kansas City area for 2023, it should give them momentum to not make this just a flash in the pan and not just a one-year deal. They should be able to carry it over to next year's class also. Our guest, Jeremy Crabtree, senior recruiting editor for On3.com, uh, does a great job on what's happening on the high school and college scene. Jeremy, I, 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 you know, being in St. Louis, I want to ask you about uh, Brett Bielma, too, and what he did mm-hmm. at Illinois. How did he fare? Well, it's they finished 14th in the in the Big Ten. That's not going to sound good. I mean, it, 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 and it's, it's a tough, tough place to try to – Turn that transition around. But if you follow Coach Bielma as long as that I have done this, uh, I, I don't really care about where they're ranked or how many stars are attached to his names. I look at the style of player in the development that they can take long term. And then I see there are pieces to this puzzle that jump out that uh, do look very good to, to, to me. Jared Batty out of Oswego, Illinois. A four-star defensive end prospect that's going to add some weight and I think could be an immediate impact area. They went down to Florida and did well, but they also did really, really well in the Chicago area with some of those kids that used to never look at Illinois before. So it's a good foundation class for Coach Bill, but I, I would have higher expectations going into next year's class. But again, He's never been one. Even when you go back to even his days at Arkansas, uh, he in, in Wisconsin, he never signed classes that had tons of five stars or four ne- four stars next to his list. He found guys that he could fit his steam style style and develop. And that's what this uh, 2022 class looks a lot like for the Illini. Did you have any inkling or did anybody that Travis Hunter, the number one overall prospect in the class <laughs> of 2022, would flip from Florida State and go to FCS Jackson State to play for Deion Sanders? Did anybody have any idea that this may happen? We did not get an inkling about it until about 8 a.m., 7, 7 a.m. our time locally here in and in, 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 in the central time zone, we didn't get any inclination until we started to hear there might be some smoke with him looking at another school. And there had been smoke all along that Travis Hunter was going to look at other schools, but everybody assumed it was going to be Georgia, uh, where he took unofficial visits to a number of times throughout the season. So everybody started, uh, uh, at least our, on our staff here at On3, started ringing the phones and talking to our college coaching contacts and uh, once we heard that uh, from from some sources in Athens that well no we've not heard anything but uh, his high school coach is telling us that they can't find him 
So then suddenly you start putting the pieces together. You start doing some reporting. And sure enough, uh, you, you, you start to hear some f- further inclinations from some sources. His teammates told us, hey, uh, there might be something going on there. So, so no, it, it came way out of left field. And I've been doing this now for almost 30 years. Is it is the biggest signing day shocker ever? Not that he's going to Jackson State to play for Deion Sanders. Just the the whole combination of that, along with the cloak and dagger, how he kept everything uh, quiet and and kept everybody in the dark up until the last minute. So a lot of this though had to do with name, image, and likeness. How did that change uh, recruiting day and signing day yesterday? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly uh, there's obviously there's been a lot of speculation and reporting. Uh, nothing concrete officially with Travis Hunter, but you do have to think it played a major role, especially with Deion Sanders and his ability to to market himself uh, throughout his Hall of Fame career. So he's going to go learn from some of the best of the best. And we saw it become a factor with a lot of kids down the stretch, especially with Texas. Uh, they reeled in tons, uh, like five, four, actually four high-profile offensive linemen down the stretch. Interestingly, they off, uh, there was an announcement that uh, their offensive linemen will uh, each get fifty thousand uh, dollars per the NIL agreement with uh, charity, charitable organization. So it is changing the way that recruiting has been done. Lane Kiffin put it perfectly: it's become a free agency of high school football and college football recruiting. It's revolutionizing everything, and the NCAA is screaming for federal legislation to come in and help us try to figure out how we're going to regulate this. But obviously there's a lot going on in Washington, D.C. right now that I don't know that NIL uh, legislation is going to be a big-time factor. I mean, even even this, this morning we're hearing word that uh, uh, Florida, uh, has some sen- uh, congressmen and senators from Florida uh, have tried to introduce some legislation locally there on the state level uh, immediately after Travis Hunter's decision. So this is going to just, it's changing the whole game. Will each kid, each kid's going to be different. Some kids are going to say, hey, I'm going to sign here because they have a, I know I can get a better NIL deal, but then there'll be other kids that'll say, uh, hey, I, I still want to play for this coach. I want to play at this facility. I want to play for this fan base. I can get a great education here. Uh, it, it is becoming more of a, more of a factor. I think we do need another year or two to, to determine fully how big of a factor it will be. Hey, Jeremy, I know you got to run. It's a busy time for you. Really appreciate you carving out some <laughs> time. You. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, thanks for doing this. All right, take care. Appreciate it. You got it. That's uh, Jeremy Crabtree. Again, t- uh, check out the work there. It's really good. On3.com. He's the recruiting editor for them, and then he also hosts a podcast. I enjoy it. It's called Over the Middle. So Jeremy Crabtree, our guest. We're going to cross it over. Jeremy Rutherford will step in studio when we come back, talk a little blues hockey, taking you up until 11 here on 101 ESPN. Cramming more St. Louis sports talk into your brain. It's the Danny Mac Show with PK on 101 ESPN. Out today, so Jr. Chris Kerber will have three hours for you. I'm sure a lot of hockey talk coming up. Jr. in the studio and the Blues practice today, and back on home ice tomorrow night. Blues and Stars pregame at six here on 101, 
And uh, it sounds like Jordan Bennington back between the pipes tomorrow night. Yeah, Danny, he'll be back at uh, practice today. The Blues on the ice at 11 a.m. Uh, coming up here in just a couple minutes at Centene. So with the moves uh, that they announced yesterday, Bennington coming off the COVID protocol and also trading John Gillis to the New Jersey Devils. Uh, they're setting up for a tandem of Jordan Bennington right now and Charlie Lindgren until uh, Villa Huso gets back from uh, his injury. What about Lindgren, though? Do you, would you ride out the hot hand and knowing that he's probably going to be sent back down when Huso uh, is healthy and available? So would you say, you know what, let's just... Roll the dice a little bit with this guy. Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, Bennington's been off for a while, but he has been practicing lately. And we saw when Huso was out with COVID, he came back and got thrown into a game and, and looked pretty good. So I guess it depends on Bennington's health, how he feels. You know, but in terms of tomorrow night's game, you know, I think you, you go to Bennington and you ask him, how do you feel? If he feels good, you probably go with him. He's their guy. And and I realize they've been getting some great goaltending out of Charlie Lindgren, and there's going to be some people who disagree and say, hey, ride the hot hand. But, um, you know, what do you do with that? Do you, do you play him against? Dallas tomorrow night he takes one on the chin and then you got to go back to Bennington you know any scenario could play out there to me if Bennington tells you he's ready I, I go back to him who are some of the other guys that are close to returning whether it be COVID IR, uh, the uh, IR whatever the guys that are hurt guys getting back on the ice you know just trying to get back into game shape whatever who's close yeah that's a good thing so you go six one and three in your last 10 dan with uh this makeshift lineup with a guy a lot of guys on the injured list and, and on covid and now these guys are starting to come back you get justin falk back in the game the other night he looked really good you're gonna get jordan bennington back tyler bozak's back and now dan uh in terms of guys coming back soon you got more on the way you have uh clem costin you have james neal uh, you have David Perron. David Perron was put on the long-term injury reserve, but that wasn't because of any sort of setback with a concussion, Dan. That was a situation where uh, they needed the cap relief. It finally got to a point where, okay, if Perron's going to miss a couple games, which I think is going to give him a couple extra days, he'll be able to come back next week against against Ottawa, so uh, you'll get him back in the lineup, too. What do you think it's going to be like for these Canadian teams right now with the COVID situation? It just got announced, too, 50% capacity for the fans. NHL trying to get through this stuff, it's going to be tough. Yeah, a lot of things going on right now. Right now, the league says that uh, they're not going to take a pause. I mean, I think that's the big question Good. at this point. You know, are you going to take a pause? And, and, and they say no. Obviously, the other big question, we talked about it on the morning show today, is is the Olympics. I think the Olympics are big-time question mark right now. Yeah. So, so we'll see. But obviously, the league is more concerned with the schedule and keeping the teams on the ice and playing and getting this season done. That's the big thing, not necessarily the Olympics. Uh, that's got to be their priority. So they're doing everything they can, but gosh, every day you wake up, it's it's just more cases around the league. What's coming up on your show? Yeah, we got a few things. So we are going to break down the lockout. We're going to get into, no, <laughs> we're going to talk a lot fun. of hockey with uh, Curbs today. We've got Joey Vitale, his partner, on the radio side here at 101 ESPN, the Blues color analyst. So we'll break that down. We'll probably ask him that question. Who do the Blues put in net tomorrow night against Dallas? Will it be Jordan Bennington, or do you ride the hot hand? And we'll talk about this all-Russian line. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, Ivan Barbashev, Pavel Buchnevich, they've been playing really well. By the way, uh, have that uh, Q&A with Ivan Barbashev up at The Athletic right now. A lot of readers were able good. to ask uh, Barbashev some questions, and so we'll break that uh, line down. So a lot of hockey coming up next. All right, hours. buddy. Looking forward to it. Yep, thanks, Danny. Tanner, great job. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow. Peloton, let's go. This holiday... With the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. 
New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.